tuned in to another episode of The Wellness Couch, where science and ancient wisdom collaborate, 3ABR 87.6 FM. And we're your host tonight, Katarina and Brett Morrison. How are you going, Brett? You're finally here, back with us again? I am. I've been here for the last few weeks, um, but there was a couple of weeks there I was uh, away with work. So, But I'm back again, and on the mics. Now really, I'm letting you run the show tonight. We're, um, I hope you've all got your pens and papers out there. We're uh, looking at the Life book or the Wheel of Life. It's the Wheel of Life. And so look, the Wheel of Life is a, look, it's a fairly well-known coaching tool. It's, well, it's used around the world um, by many, many coaches around the world. Look, I've used it quite successfully with many of my clients as well. And it's a tool that I think allows people to bring a bit of balance, get some, also find some meaning and purpose in their life. I think there's so many people that go through life actually moving away from the things that annoy them, the, I guess those pain points, and they're never really sure about why they, they feel uncomfortable or why they, why they have this level of anxiety that's going on. And the problem is that moving away or moving to a different town or moving to a different job is that they're still taking themselves with them. And that's where they need to work. The problems aren't external, the problems are internal. And the will of life just allows them to look at quite specific areas of their life with some focus and, and put the magnifying glass onto that and allow them to work out, are they happy with those areas of their life or if they're not? And if they're not, how can they change it to the point where they actually can? And I guess the, you know, the symbolism with the wheel is that when you have a wheel that's in balance, it will run true, it'll run smoothly, and you won't get the vibration. So you think about your car or your bike, if you have a wheel that's out of balance, it'll, you'll feel a vibration through it. And sometimes our life feels like that. We're going through life and something doesn't quite feel right. We wake up and we have this little bit of a knot in our stomach, or we're just a bit worried about things that are going on. But when things are, are in line, we have our purpose, we have alignment with what we want to achieve, or what we think is important to us, the things that we hold close to us, our values, our beliefs, then life becomes a lot smoother. All right. So obviously it's refusing to live an ordinary life. So whether you're looking for clarity um, on your life vision or it's a proven system to achieve your goals or even wanting to reinvent or rediscover yourself, um, the wheel of life gives you the clarity and inspiration you need to get where you want to be. Before we continue... Let us sure. know a little bit about yourself. I mean, you're award-winning executive and business coach, master practitioner of um, neuro-linguistic programming and uh, master facilitator. What yeah, else so, do you do? Yeah, so look, I've been in the coaching space now um, well, for over a decade, easily over a decade now. I've coached you know, thousands of people, uh, predominantly in the workplace. So I do do life coaching as well. But look, most of my work has been in the business and executive coaching. So bringing teams together, uh, working with dysfunctional teams, uh, building up executives, executive teams and getting them on track, uh, but also getting them more cohesive and getting them to create a common language important, which is really important for exec teams, getting them to create a common language where if there is unresourceful behaviour, they can actually talk about it, call it out in a way that's not offensive, um, but it also builds the team in the process. Great. All right, so the life book or the wheel of life. Um, and for the, the audience out there, how are we going to determine this? So we draw a circle and then we split it into how many sections of the pie? Well, yeah, if you get your circle and then draw, draw let's say you've got eight slices to your pie, that's a good start. So we are going to only look at eight. So if you Google, uh, you know, Google images on Wheel of Life, you'll come up with probably 
you know, hundreds of thousands of different versions of the Wheel of Life, all with different colours, and some look very quite spectacular. Uh, but look, I have developed my own that I use with my coaching clients, uh, and that's based upon the things that I have found over the years to be important to them, uh, for the majority of people anyway. And I'm not saying that's the case for everybody, but definitely in the majority of cases it is. Uh, yeah, so once you've got your circle drawn and you've got your eight pieces there, if you put little on the lines, it's like you say the spokes of the wheel that come out to the, to the outside of the round wheel, if you put little gradations across there, like up to 10, so essentially if you to join all those little lines on those, so the little gradation parts on the lines, you'd end up with like 10 little circles. And the reason I say that is that if you think about the first little gradation on the, on the spoke going out as a, as a 1, and then the outside circle being a 10, what you want to do is get to the point where in all areas of your life, you're as close to or at that 10 as you can be. Ideally, you're at 10 all the way. So you're living that level of life that you're completely happy with in every aspect of your life. Okay, so going up to 10 is, is the happiest or fulfillment Absolutely. Yep. of your life. Yep. And one is obviously when you're not happy. And you're one is when you're not happy okay. at all. all right. Yep. And so, yeah, so if you go through those, once we have the eight areas that we talk about, and you can write them into the different um, pieces of the pie there or on the wheel, um, then just do a self-assessment. Look at yourself and go, okay, how happy am I with... For example, my family life. How happy am I with my recreation side of my life? And we'll talk about what they mean as we go through. But if you find they're on different levels, so for example, your which ones are we going to focus on tonight? So people yeah, we'll, are aware we'll, we'll, what's yeah, coming up. Yeah, so we'll get to that in just a second. So like if you, for example, health is at a five and your business or career is at a ten, if you think about a wheel with big divots in it, then it's going to be a very, very bumpy ride. So that's why you want to get all of them to that nice level 10. So let's have a look at the eight areas that I've put together that I work with my clients on. And the first one is health, family. So these are the headings in the th title these are of, headings, of yeah. each section of and the pie. And they're not in any particular oh. order, so I'm not saying one's more important than the other. Um, it's so just each section of the pie should it's be just titled. Eight different sections, yep. yep. So the first one is health, the second one is family. Third one is career or business. Then you've got finances. Then you've got personal growth. Then you have recreation. Then relationships. And lastly is contribution. And like I said, that's in no particular order. It's just how I wrote them down. Now, look, the reason I've looked at those is, as I mentioned before, is that they're the ones that tend to come up for the majority of my clients, and it tends to resonate quite well with them. And I think one of the reasons why it resonates quite well is that I have overlaid another coaching model called the six core needs. So the six core needs is that you have certainty, significance, variety, connection, which are the four core needs of the personality. And they quite, look, they really nicely align to the four personality types. So if anyone's into Jung's work, um, they do actually align quite well with those four different energy types. And then we have the two core needs of the spirit which is growth and contribution so we talk about um, you know personal growth and contribution well they're the two core needs of the spirit and look they go really well so when you tap into all six of those core needs across those eight areas of your life what I find is that most people are finding a connection and finding some purpose as we go through that particular model all right let's start with the first pie Slice. The first slice of the pie or the first spoke of the wheel, whichever way we want to go. Okay, so the first one is health. And look, what I like to do with this particular model is that I think, especially in the coaching space anyway, 
you can spend a, an awful lot of money on different programs. Um, everyone's trying to sell you something, but these way, these things really are things that you can do for free. These are things that just take some commitment, uh, a little bit of discipline from yourself, but generally are zero to low cost. So when I look at the health, the first things I'll talk about are the six natural doctors. Now we've actually run several programs here on, on the radio show mm. about the six natural yeah. doctors. And so look, you may want to speak a little bit about those. So the six uh, sleep air, so how we breathe and the, the quality of the air that we breathe, uh, water, sunshine, exercise, and diet. So did you want to touch on quickly, because this is your area of expertise around... That's um, why you've had me here tonight. Nah. That's why. Yes. Uh, yeah, around sleep. So well, what can we do around that sleep? Because that doesn't cost us anything, right? But it's yeah. so yeah. important, like yeah. even from executives, like I think I've shared with it, with the audience before on the show is that you know, I did an executive leadership program through Melbourne Business School. And one of the things that they talked about was sleep and the importance of sleep. We, we spent probably half a day of a... you know. A several day program just talking about how important yep. sleep yeah, is. I know that's amazing. Now, um, sleep has got to be a priority for most people if they want to optimize their health. Um, a lot of patients are deficient either because they're depressed, they can't get to sleep, or they wake throughout the night because they have anxiety issues. So, um, and there's a ev- never ending world of um, infinite distractions that we see, you know, and stimulation. Um, there's great content online. Um, but a lot of people have a phone that's tied to their waist and it can be difficult for patients to make um, continual uh, sleep a continual routine. Um, but you need to work out how many of hours you personally require and set a consistent time to go to bed and a time to wake up. You really do, like we used to yep. with children and, and babies. So not keeping a set routine for sleep will actually make you feel like you've had constant jet lag. Um now, it's often, sleep is often an ignored lifestyle factor and it has a tremendous impact on your health, both physically, mentally and emotionally. Um, and the other side of sleep is related to light. It's actually crucial to get enough light during daytime hours in order to sleep well. Light actually serves as a major synchronizer or something you, um, you call your master clock. The master clock is a group of cells in your brain called the um, supraconistic nuclei. Um, or, or what we call SCN, and it's a group of... SCN um, sounds easier. Yeah, yeah. Yep. the nuclei is synchronised to the light-dark cycle of the environment when light enters your eye. So um, you have other biological clocks throughout your body, and those clocks sub, uh, subsequently synchronise to your master clock. So it's really important that um, you want to get some bright light exposure during the day. So get outside um, for at least half an hour at lunchtime or early morning, and the reason is because um, you're going to make that serotonin in your gut and then later on at night, that means that you're going to make the melatonin that actually makes you sleep. Absolutely. Okay, they're two very important hormones. They say um, to get a good night's sleep, what you do first thing in the morning actually plays a very large part in the quality of the sleep you get at night time. Yeah, and so that means that, you know, you've got to dim environmental lights and avoid uh, the blue light, you know, the wavelengths such as those that are found on iPads and computer screens or gaming screens and mobile phones or even TVs. You really need to stay away um, at least 90 minutes of no tech um, before bed. You really do to avoid that. Um, You need to use your bedroom for sleeping and other nocturnal activities only. So having blue light tech in the bedroom only excites the opioid centres 
in your brain and the nervous system um, retaliating with biochemical responses that are apt to keep you awake. So always make sure your screen light is set to, there's a warm hue, isn't there, on most... On, um, on the newer devices, yeah, there can the be. the blue light hue settings. Um, or just and, don't use it. Yeah, and limit screen time yeah. during the day too. The... Um, and, and stick to the, to that limit of the addiction. So most people that um, I test for sleep disorders, disturbances are found to have high hormone cortisol levels at yep. night, okay, and low in the morning, which is really going to upset the circadian um, sleep pattern. Um, so resetting their patterns and habits comes a long way with restoring their sleep problems and having them to have a great night's sleep. Now, the other thing that a lot of people don't realise is that if you're having trouble sleeping, you shouldn't actually be um, having stimulants after 12 noon. And that means that um, because a lot of uh, patients are actually sensitive to stimulants such as chocolate, soft drinks, caffeine and sugar, their liver is compromised and has a difficult time detoxing with uh, what we call phase two of the elimination system with the liver. Um, and it allows the toxins and stimulants to stay within their system longer, which creates havoc with their nervous system. So once again, no sugar, no caffeine, chocolate, soft drinks after 12 noon. Okay. Yeah, for, that, look, for that particular reason. There's quite a lot in that for people, but they're all very simple things that they can do. And like that's just around sleep. And like, I just want to pick up a point that you mentioned at the start, which is about sleep impacts, not just physical health, but also mental and emotional health. And quite often I think, that emotional and mental part is overlooked in our society still. Like there's still a stigma attached to it. We are all very comfortable to talk about physical injuries, but very uncomfortable to talk about mental health. So these things don't just look at the physical health, but also the mental health of yourself as well. So very important to get a balanced approach to it. So we might move on to some of these other ones because we've still got quite a lot to get through. Um, so the next one is breathing. And I think for many people, especially in Western culture, we think that because we're upright, and we're moving around that we know how to breathe. But in actual fact, there's quite an art form to learning how to breathe and getting nice deep breaths and getting that oxygen around the body, but also then concentrating those oxygen levels into our our main organs, our main internal organs as well. So there's obviously some deep breathing techniques that you can do. There's also, you know, um, combining that with cold water therapy as well. So there's a lot of different things, and these things don't cost anything. This, that's what I love yeah. about a lot of these, the, the six natural doctors, that you can do any of them and they're not high cost. They're things that you can do and just take some accountability around your choices that you make. I just want to mention um, pranayama um, or, or the power of the breath because I cannot begin to tell you how many individuals I see in clinic who cannot breathe correctly. They are so stressed yeah. that they cannot pause from their high hormonal cortisol levels and breathe deeply into yeah. their bellies. It's very shallow. And every breath should be a treasured gift, um, an affirmation of opportunity that actually surrounds us and a reminder that we are connected to all other living beings. So they have used the breath. Um, it's been used for thousands of years by Indian yogis. And pranayama is a practice of ultimate simplicity, yet it's um, it does have profound benefits. To, just in a few minutes a day, Alternating nostril breathing helps to um, calm an agitated mind and smooth uh, ruffled states, um, clarifying your thinking and it improves sleep and supports the nervous system. So since stress is the underlying cause of a majority of health complaints, facing life from a place of equilibrium can go a long way in actually improving the quality and vitality of your life. There are different breathing methods. I, I know that you know sometimes you use the Wim Hof method as yep. well. There's a box breathing. Yeah. I also use, you know, alternative nostril breathing. I use deep belly breathing. 
there's quite a few different ones. Uh, I combine that with Reiki too sometimes. Uh, like I, I can remember a story. I had a, a leader come up to me one day and he was actually relaying back to me something that I said to him <laughs> a year or so earlier and he, re- he relayed the, the story how he came up to me. And he, at the, on that particular day, he was quite stressed. Um, there's a lot going on in his day and things weren't going particularly well and I just said to him, it's okay, just breathe. And like his response to that was, what do you mean? But when I said, look, just take a deep breath, and he did, and it, it actually changed him. It changed his outlook. It changed his ability to make decisions. It, it changed his ability to cope with the stress of the situation that was going on for him. And then for him to come back like 18 months later and say, look, that was the best advice that you could ever give me, he goes, that was fantastic. Thanks very much. And it's simple, like, just breathe. But quite often when we do get stressed, it our breath comes up to our chest and it gets quite shallow and we start to get to the point of hyperventilating. Yeah, just um, caution though, if you are pregnant to ha- um, or have high blood pressure, yep. do not pause your breath whatsoever. Um, but just the ending with the breath, that yogis do believe that many diseases are linked to that actual mm. erratic nasal breathing because the nose and its olfactory systems intimately um, link with the brain and the actual yeah. nervous system. Yeah. Now, Pranayama, just you know, alternating the the nostrils when you breathe, um, it actually synchronizes both hemispheres of the brain, yep. um, which gives you the creative, the feeling right side, and the thinking analytical side of the brains, and that leads to increased lucidity. Basically, um, it's it's a fantastic way to actually reduce stress too, and it triggers the parasympathetic nervous system, and therefore it actually calms the emotional upheavals that a lot of people go through and, you know, stress themselves out with. It also helps quiet um, an overactive mind while supplying a rich source of oxygen to both of the brain hemispheres. And it also detoxifies the lungs, which is um, crucial in this time and age. So a really invaluable technique for our daily lives. Yeah, so the next one on that list is water. So we are, well, they say 89% made of water. We have a lot of electrical synapses, so those nerve endings that send signals around our body and they work better actually they don't work at all when we've got water in the body um so it's really important that we get good quality water if you can like if you're living in the city at least get filtered water you know we're, we're quite lucky we get rain water uh and we also filter that as well make sure there's nothing coming through out of the skies but it's also important to get the right amount so they say up to two liters of water at least two liters per day is important to just keep the body flushed uh, it increases your alertness. It increases your ability to uh, stay awake and alert throughout the day as well. So very simple things. You know, cut the sugar out of the, out of the liquid that you drink. Cut the caffeine out, uh, and just drink straight water. Once you get nice clean water, it can actually be really uh, tasty to have, as opposed to some of the dead stuff that you can get around. Uh, and look at it. I guess if you really need to when you're travelling, you know, bottled water is probably okay. No. But sometimes. <laughs> Well, it's better than getting mm. you know, diseases from some of the countries that uh, you know, the water isn't really clean in some countries. Well, it's been found that the te- top um, 10 brands of bottled water contains 38 toxic pollutants. Yeah. Uh, you know, common chemical pollutants like arsenic, fertilizers, heavy metals, industrial solvents, and even pharmaceutical drugs. So I'm not quite fond of um, bottled water and the plastics cause such an issue yeah, with our well, environmental. Look, I think in Australia we don't need to do that. But if you are travelling, uh, there are some countries just you, you don't even clean your teeth in the water. So... Um, it's probably advisable at those times. If you have to, that's the time you would do it. Yeah, and don't forget um, also spiritually, there is a spiritual element um, to water. So according to the Japanese scientist Masuro Emoto, he was obsessed with water. 
as we know, through his scientific investigations. Um, and he proved that the human consciousness has an effect on the molecular structure of water, that indeed water does hold our projections. It, it, it's such a beautiful um, analogy. And, and it's in the veins of the earth, the rivers, the oceans, ice, you know, glaciers and falls of our yeah, precious absolutely. rain. It's all around us. They call us the blue planet for that reason. So the next one is sunshine. So I think you touched on it so a little bit. So can you just, um, so when people get to these titles, what do they do? Uh, are you actually... So these are still under health. We haven't got yep. past health yet. Okay. So that's why, you know, it's sort of moving along pretty quickly because we still have another seven to get through. Um, so this is still under health. So these are the things that I'm looking, I get people to walk through. So what are the things that they can do? If they're How not, much exposure? If they're not happy with their yeah. health, what are the things that they can do to change okay. today? Yeah. Let's not wait till tomorrow. Let's, what, what can they do just today? And then what can they do tomorrow and the next day? Because uh, I think a lot of people think that, you know, for their health a bit, but they have to wait for something. They have to, you know, be able to afford a gym membership or, yeah. you know, whatever it's going to be, or they need to lose weight before they can go running or what, you know, there's always something. But really is that there's things that you can do right now, which is, hey, just learn how to breathe properly, you know, get some clean water, um, get some sunshine. Yeah, those sort of simple things that don't cost anything, but they can improve the way that we feel. And when, it improves, when we start to improve the way that we feel, then we can start doing the other things that we know we need to do, which is, you know, get out in the sunshine, get some exercise, and change our diet as well. So they're the other things that come into that. So sunshine, you touched on it earlier there before about getting some sunshine early in the morning. Yeah. Uh, when the sun's a little bit gentle, but it also gives you the vitamin D. Well, uh, it also sets you up for a good night's sleep because it opens yeah. the pituitary gland, that type of thing. It stabilizes your mood too. Serotonin, yep. or the brain hormone associated with mood elevation, it rises with exposure to bright light and falls with um, decreased yeah. sun exposure. And uh, scientists have evaluated the effects of vitamin D on mental health. Um, there, was a, there was a study done in 2006 with 80 elderly patients and found those with the lowest levels of vitamin D were 11 times more prone to be depressed than those who received healthy doses. So yep. it's also associated with an increased risk of panic disorders. So while you can get some vitamin D in foods like um, even mushrooms, um, salmon and egg yolks, and your, your best solution for optimising your levels is actually going to get some sensible sun exposure. Yep, absolutely. And that's, I think, the key word, sensible sun exposure. Uh, but also, I think it catches, not, don't do it behind glass. Uh, a lot of people think they're sitting in the sun because they're you know, in their lounge room or whatever, and they've got the you know the window and the sun's coming in. But actually, the glass actually cuts out the UVB, so that's actually quite bad for you. So just get out in the sun. Don't put a barrier in between. The next one is around exercise. Uh, so, look, you can talk for months and weeks. There's books written about it. There's, you know, <laughs> well, books, there's, there's degrees around exercise. Uh, so there's plenty of stuff you can do, but exercise helps you feel better. Uh, it you know, helps you feel younger. But like I always say, incorporate a whole of body approach. So yoga, stretching is, is fantastic. Uh, strength, a little bit of strength work, a bit of endurance work. You can chuck in cold water therapy in there as well uh, to you know, make sure the blood's going to your your major organs, you, know, you can look at heart rate work as well. Just simple things like take the stairs at work. You know, don't don't take the lift. Uh, if you can walk to work or ride a bike as opposed to driving a car, especially for those people that are living in the city. Um, if you do catch a train, hop off the train a couple of stations earlier. Take a bit of an extra walk. So just little simple things that can incorporate some exercise into your daily activities without going crazy. Now, if you do have injuries, this is important that you work within those injuries. 
because the last thing you want to do is actually break yourself as well because that just leads to physical pain which also then leads to some mental pain as well along the lines but work within that there's there's always different levels of exercise that everybody can do whether that's just going to be starting with some simple stretches some simple um, breathing exercises walking for example is, is fairly gentle you can even walk in the pool if your joints are that bad that you know you need the support of the extra because the water will actually provide a good level of support to your joints as you're going through it again look, there's some people that love to exercise in the morning some people like to do it at night but I think it sets yourself up for sleep better if you can do it in the morning look I do it especially if I'm, I'm traveling I'll do it whenever I can uh, but I do try to do it in the morning if I can they do say to do a minimum of three times per week but I think some people are now saying five times per week so it's about consistency what you don't necessarily want to do is go out and just do one big hit at one time and then say for the rest of the week okay look I've done my exercise because it's not creating a routine it's not creating habits and I think for a lot of this it's about creating good routines about creating some habits because it does take time to create habits and you'll wake up in the morning and you go hey I need to go for a run today I'll go for a walk today whatever it is going to be but because you're in the habit of it you'll go and do it as opposed to skipping over it but I think the really key one is there that our emotion follows motion so if we're not feeling good the best thing we can do is get out and move whether it's for a walk in the sunshine or walk along the beach we're lucky down here in Apollo Bay we can actually go for a walk along the beach so it's, it's a beautiful place to be um, but you know, it just lifts your spirits no matter what sort of a day it is down there but like I said emotion will follow motion so get out and start to move now the last one in that series of health and I know we uh, have taken a fair bit of time just on the first one is diet so look I, I know you, you are the expert on the on the diet and we've talked many times about that but I guess the one for me is you know avoid the the fads uh, eat healthy eat fresh and raw as much as you can I'd even say plant-based as much as you can I'm not saying you know, everyone needs to be vegan or vegetarian although that that's also very good for your body as well but if most of the food you eat is plant-based uh, that's a very good start but also listen to your body don't overfill it because I think we have a habit in Western culture especially to overfill our bodies um, so if you're not sure this is an area where you go can you can actually seek advice and quite often that advice probably isn't best from your friend unless your friend is trained in giving nutritional advice because I think everyone has an opinion on diets everyone has an opinion on how we should eat and also how we exercise for that matter but sometimes this is a good place to go and see the experts yeah just to remember that there's no one panacea diet for everyone exactly um, it's broad spectrum yep. there's different diets to see different people and you know whole foods eating whole beautiful foods are the best the relationship between diet and health though is uh, proven to be very strong. Diet's an important factor in heart disease, stroke, hypertension, cancer, diabetes, and um, even obesity. So your diet can change not only the way you look, but the way you think and feel, your moods, and it can remediate many disease patterns as well. So food as medicine is um, very important to me. Um, but just remember that, you know, someone might uh, be operating very well on a keto diet, but it doesn't necessarily mean that um, that's a diet for you. So it's really got to be matched um, to your therapeutic strategy for, for individuals. It really does. Yeah, absolutely. So that's health. Not so quickly, but that was <laughs> that, well, that was health. I know we're almost halfway through our show already, but we've just covered the first one. But we're going okay. We'll, we'll, we will get there, I promise. Uh, maybe a bit rapid at the end, but so we will get there. So what do people look at in their priorities? They just 
basically at what they're at, how they feel. Yeah, so when they get the wheel of life and they've drawn it up and they've got those little gradation lines leading out, you know, assess yourself on a scale of 1 to 10, where are you now? Where would you see your health? And I think the important part is that if you're not at a 10, you need to define what a 10 is for you because otherwise you'll never know when you get there. And that's really important that, you know, a 10 might be in the health field for you. Like, for example, you might want to be able to run five kilometres. You might set yourself a goal and you go, okay, well, that's that's great. Once, once I reach the ability to run five kilometres, you know, I'll know that my health is in the spot. You, know, you might say, okay, I want to wake up vital. I don't want to wake up feeling lethargic and I want to be able to run three times a week. Well, that's a great one. You might go, okay, well, I want to be able to do a certain pose in yoga by the time, like within however many years it takes to get there. Uh, but you need to define that. And like you said, it will be individual. It will be different for every person. So, you, each so you're person basically assessing yourself. You are. It's you, a self-assessment. On that pie yep, of, absolutely. of where you feel and where you'd like to be. Yep. Okay. Yep. And then when we come to the personal growth part, um, I talk about change and how we manage change. Um, but for all of this, we need to be able to be brutally honest with ourselves because if we can't be honest with ourselves, we're going to ignore what other people are going to tell us anyway. So for us to change and make the changes, we need to call what we're at by its real name. So right. if we're unhealthy, we need to say, hey, we're unhealthy, we need to change that. Yeah, so right. we do need to be honest. So the next one is family. Uh, look, this is you know a bit of a minefield for a lot of people. A lot of people do have family challenges. Uh, I think you know there's there's not too many people that say, hey, look, I come from a normal family. Everyone thinks that there's some dysfunction in in the family. And I think that's probably fair to say that a lot of families do have dysfunction in them on some level. Um, but that, I think that's I think that's the normal part. I think we think that our families are dysfunctional, but in quite fact, you know, they're, they're probably fairly normal. Um, and it's quite you know we all have an odd relative here or there. Um, but the thing is to be kind. I think that's the big part. You know, everyone makes mistakes and it's not up to us to judge. You know, we don't always know what those people are going through. We don't know what's important to them at that particular time. And as we grow up too, we tend to hang on to these issues that we had with our mum and dad. And look, the number of adults, very well-functioning adults too, by the way, who have mum and dad issues still is, is quite astounding. So I think if you can be kind, forgive your parents, and more importantly, forgive yourself. I think that's a big part of it. I think they they don't forgive themselves for something that they did or did not do, um, or they have perceived that's happened um, going back in time. So if you can do that, life becomes a lot simpler. The other one that I talk about a lot, and I guess I, I do tend to focus more in the men's space when I'm coaching, because a lot of the executives I have coached are men. Um, but look, I think it goes just as importantly for women. And that's that ability to cut the cord. So if you think that you have an emotional umbilical cord to your parents, um, just because people move out of the family home when they get to 18, 19 or 25 or these days 35, whatever the age is going to be, <laughs> doesn't mean to say that they've cut the cord. So if you're an adult and you are still seeking approval or you're still worried about what your mother and father are going to say or judge you, then I'd say you haven't fully cut that cord. I'm not saying that you don't worry about their opinions of you uh, because that's going to be a reality, I think, throughout life anyway. But if you're looking to them to make judgments or you're looking to them to make decisions for you or you're basing your decisions on their approval, then you probably haven't left home. So there's still some emotional 
attachment going on in that space. So being a mature, emotionally mature adult, I think, has that ability to go, look, I know they're my parents and I do appreciate them and I'm proud of them and I do love them, but this is my life. I need to make my own decisions and I'm happy with the decisions that I'm making. And that can be life-changing for many people. It's not very easy to do sometimes, but once people can do that and work through that, but firstly recognise that's what's going on in their life, that change can be quite big. Now, I'm not saying everyone has that, of course, but it's a generalisation. It's, it's fairly solid. Now, for the adults out there, I think leadership plays a part here. So how are you leading your family? So whether you're the husband or the wife, I tend to talk in archetypes, so the king and the queen. So are you leading your family? And if you're not, give them a reason to lead, to follow you. That's what leadership is about. Mm-hmm. People don't just automatically follow you because you are the, the male of the household or you're the female of the household, whether you're the father or the mother. They will follow you if they if you give them a reason to follow you. So that means you need to lead. That means you need to be the right role model. You need to be a good role model. You need to be just and fair, but also set the example that you think is appropriate, how you would want them to live, how you would want them to follow and be like. That comes back to your responsibility. We already talked, touched on um, that level of forgiveness. I think another important part is boundaries. Understanding what our boundaries are or aren't can be quite revolutionary for some mm, people. Yes, definitely. Yep. Um, and that may extend to our extended family. We talk about relationships as well. Um, that's another part of part of the pie. Um, but that's the, there's a there is a boundary model that I like to share with my clients and that starts out with like a circle in the middle and that's where they sit. So if you if you draw a little circle and put your name in there, that's your safe space. That's sort of your cocoon in white light where nothing can touch you, nothing can harm you, no bad energy can get to you. People can't say negative things or hurtful things to you. You just feel safe and warm and very secure. Then as you go out, that circle, and you then put concentric circles around that. And as you go out, you'll have family members, you'll have your spouse, you might have your parents or your siblings, and not necessarily in that order either. It depends on how close you are to whoever is in your family. But quite often what we get confused is when we go to work and we have our work colleagues or our associates even beyond that that we don't see all the time, but we start sharing our intimate details, our intimate life details with them. And we think that's okay. But when they don't respect that the way that we think they should respect it, that's when people can get upset. And it's actually not the other person's fault. It's because we've actually mm. seen them to be something that they're not. Or we've seen them be something different to what they are. Because if they're an associate, there's certain things that you just wouldn't share with them. Yeah, it's a great um, visual, mindful tool, actually. Yeah, it is, yeah. That, that even um, helped myself. Yeah. And I share that with a lot of people. Like, oh, I know I had that shared with me when I was doing, uh, actually, when I was off actually doing my MBA. Um, one of my friends up there was a master practitioner in NLP, and that was an is, is an NLP tool that he learned as well. Um, and it is, it is just a really solid tool, a uh, great model as well. And it gets puts some perspective around what parts of us we open up and what parts we don't open up. And obviously, um, how much time are you investing in certain relationships too? And, and the ones that you should be investing yeah. in. Yeah, because when people don't respond back the same way that we're expecting them to. So, for example, if you're sharing this really intimate stuff with someone from work and they're not sharing intimate stuff back, you might get really upset by that. 
in fact, you might say, Gee, I feel really vulnerable because I'm sharing this really intimate stuff with you, but you're not giving me anything back. And they're going, uh, well, why would I? I, I work with you. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, the relationship is different to how you're perceiving it. So I think having a good understanding of what your boundaries are. And is, clarity on who's and clarity. closest to yep, you. In absolutely. Those, in those. I'm not saying that someone from work can't be your best mate because that, that can quite obviously that can quite obviously happen, especially when you spend a lot of time with them. Um, so that will change that dynamic. But there's going to be some people that you meet down the street that may not be that close, for example, um, especially when you work in a city with you know, a million other, three million other people. You know, so you can't be close to everybody. So moving along, we are through the first two, which is health and family. Next one is career and business. Now, I know from a coaching perspective, a lot of coaching programs talk about, you know, uh, you know, if you want to be successful, you need to have your own business. Well, that's not possible for everyone and actually doesn't suit everyone either. It doesn't suit everyone's personality type. A lot of people are very good at their job and they want to have a job and they want to get paid and they want to work for someone because they feel that's a way that they can contribute to a larger good. Uh, it's a way that they feel they can serve other people as well. But I think what's really important in this career and business space is define what success looks like for you. Now, for some, success will be money for some people it'll be a big house some people it might be you know the, the new car whatever it's going to be but define what success is for you in your career and business not over in all in life actually that's that's worthwhile doing as well but in this particular space space i'm talking about what does success look in your look like for your career and your business and once you define what that is you should then define what are you prepared to give for that you know like Quite often I hear people talk about you know, this work-life balance. And I have to say that I'm not a huge fan of the whole concept of work-life balance because it quite often suggests that you need to get these things equal. But when things are equal and in balance as opposed to being like a balanced wheel, when things are in balance, there's no movement. And when there's no movement, there's stagnation. And I don't think that's very good for our growth. Uh, so for us to grow, there needs to be, there needs to be motion. So we have life and work is a part of life, and we just make choices around that. So that's why I say, work out what you're prepared to give in return for that. So for a higher paying job, you might go, okay, well, I'm actually prepared to work longer hours, or I might be prepared to give more of my weekend, whatever it's going to be. Just be confident and just be clear, probably that clarity like you talked about before, around what it is that you're prepared to give in return. If you're young, this is some advice that I would highly recommend for those that are first starting out looking for for work is take a job for what you can learn as opposed to for the money the stuff that you can learn you can leverage and you can in, increase your wage over time but if you're constantly just looking for a job that pays more money you'll essentially be selling your soul you won't have meaning for you unless you can actually find work that pays really great from the start and is actually aligned to your values. So again, that is great if you've already defined your success, you define what you're prepared to give and you get a job that pays really well for that. But if you can have a choice between learning and getting big money, I'd actually choose the learning up front uh, while you don't have all the responsibilities coming later in life. I'd also say, especially if you're still young and you don't have a lot of commitments be prepared to take a bit of a chance uh, go out and learn something different learn something new learn something that is maybe not be the mainstream but something that you're interested in doing 
especially if you have a fallback plan. Uh, so if you're still living at home, for example, and you don't have a lot of commitments, that's a great time to have a look around. I think we have a lot of pressure on young kids these days to you know, work out what they want to be for the rest of their life while they're still at school. And most people in their 30s or 40s still don't know what they want to be when they get older, um, even when they get to 40. Uh, so expecting a 14 or 15-year-old child to think that it can be quite challenging. All right, so while you're talking about these, assessing each area, um, the people obviously of the audience have to consider each dimension in turn and on a scale of zero to 10, which is mm -hmm. high, write down the amount of attention even that they're devoting to that area of their life. And then they mark each score on the appropriate spoke of the wheel or the... Yeah, the, so yeah. the score at the moment isn't so much about the time they no. spend on it. It's about where they or feel... Their fulfilment. How, how they how they feel they rate it in yeah. it at the time. Mm -hmm. So if they feel that you know they're not where they want to be in their career, they might go look. I'm only out of seven in my career, because I actually want to get to two promotions up, or I want to be earning a certain amount of money, or I want to get a certain qualification, um, whatever it's going to be. But then they can go, okay, well, if this is where I am. What do I need to get to the ten? Yeah, well, that's um, thinking about your ideal level, though. That um, absolutely the time to consider um, their ideal level in each area of their life. Yeah. Um, so like a balanced life does not mean getting five in each area, does no. it? Some areas need more attention and focus than others at that time. And inevitably, you will need to make choices and um, yeah. obviously compromises as your time and energy are not an unlimited supply. That's right. We all get yeah. given the same amount of time. So, so you the might question is, what would the ideal level of attention be for you in each area yep. of your life? Yeah, and I think that comes back to where you, where you already rated yourself. So for someone, for example, who's scoring a 10 out of 10 on health, but a five out of ten on career, they might want to spend a bit more time in career yeah. to build that up. To build the balance up, yeah. Yep, absolutely. All right. Um, but I'd also say don't give up on your dreams. There's plenty of people out there who are dream snatchers, uh, especially when you start talking about careers and what you would like to do or starting a business. People will tell you all the things that can possibly go wrong, but remember it's your dream, not theirs, um, and stay true to yourself. Okay, so the next one along the line is finances. Now, there's plenty of books out there on this. Um, I'm not going to pretend to be a financial guru at all, but I'd say set some goals. You know, set and stick to a budget if that's, you know, because that's important. Live within your means is also important. Um, there's an awful lot of, you know, personal debt out there at the moment, uh, and that causes a lot of stress in its own right. So, again, that stress, stress then transfers over into our health. Uh, it can then transfer across to our careers. So it's one of those areas that you do want to get right and get some control over. Financial independence isn't necessarily about having a huge income. It's about having choices um, and making sure that you have enough money to buy the things that you need. Uh, and there's a big difference between wants and needs, by the way, in this space. So a lot of people go, look, I know I'll be financially independent when I um, have a you know flash car and a big house. Uh, well, in actual fact, they may not need that at all. They may just need to be able to pay for all their bills, put food on the table, put their kids through university, whatever it's going to be, but they have everything that they need. Uh, yeah, so again, it's about creating good habits. So I think with any of this, whether it's your career, uh, whether it's you know dieting, exercise, in your health,